Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Mark Maddox is our guest on Think Humanities uh, podcast today. Mark is uh, at uh, Joseph Beth uh, Booksellers uh, in Lexington and beyond, but your your main base uh, is in Lexington. Uh, he is the new books lead, uh, but uh, an all-around reader sort of, uh, well, I'll ask him, Mark, what are your responsibilities at the bookstore? Well, lately I handle the incoming new books and organizing the new books section. Um, so I have to keep on top of everything that's coming out, everything that is on the horizon there. And I'm responsible also for merchandising the front, the books in the front of the store there, especially in creating displays and the themes of those displays. Now, a lot of people, um, some of my friends, um, would uh, be envious of, let me just say I'm envious of your uh, position and your uh, job, uh, that, that it would be something that I would think would be uh, a, a love of literature and of literacy and of books and of reading. Uh, you must enjoy it a lot. Oh, it's great fun. It really is. And more just than the books is also, it's a kind of job that really demands that you love readers and love to, love to serve readers and to open yourself to what other people are interested in seeing um, and expanding your horizons through theirs. Well, besides uh, a number of programs uh, from Kentucky Humanities that we talk about on uh, Think Humanities podcast, uh, I, I had the intention when we began uh, last year to uh, to always uh, talk about uh, books and uh, to have um, uh, uh, book blogs and and and. Uh, hints on reading. Uh, as you know, uh, we had one of your colleagues from Joseph Beth uh, join me almost at the very beginning of the podcast uh, to talk about um, books for summer, summer reads and that sort of thing. So I thought it might be a good idea to do winter reads. Uh, one of the other things that uh, I've become um, interested in, and, and really I think since podcasting has become more popular, besides just uh, listening to series like uh, Serial or um, uh, S-Town and, and some of those podcasts, I, I've really become a fan of the New York Times Book Review. I love to hear their discussions about new books and their discussions about what they're reading. I just discovered uh, late last year uh, a, a, a book, a podcast called What Should I Read Now uh, with Ann Bogle. Uh, she's uh, headquartered in Louisville, but apparently has a, uh, a national reputation. She, she does a, a blog and uh, a podcast, and she has a lot of uh, different guests on. And, and it, it helps me sort of, if I can't read as much as I want to, it helps me sort of know what is out there. And, and when I'm traveling uh, the state uh, for the humanities, I'm, uh, those are usually the podcasts that I'm plugging in first. So tell me, uh, tell me how you go about... Um, learning of, um, choosing, uh, just, just the description of, of what you do, uh, and, and how important it is that you do that for your readers. Oh, we have all court, all kinds of wonderful resources available to us. And before we move on from podcasts, I just want to also mention Lexington Public Library also has its own podcast called Checked Out. They do. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. 
and I've just discovered a new a new podcast recently called Reading Glasses, which is worth oh, looking into. Okay, I'm so, going to write those down. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the American Booksellers Association provides all kinds of resources for us, um, which we also use as marketing materials in the store. The Indie Next list. Uh, we also have the luxury of having all kinds of advanced readers' copies coming in from the publishers themselves. And the publishers themselves, in a lot of ways, are our best friends. Uh, we have great publishers' representatives who represent all the major houses and quite a number from some of the smaller presses as well that we're in contact with all the time and who solicit feedback from us and from individual booksellers too. It really does happen at the rank and file level and it's so democratic and so wonderful uh, because all you have to do is pick up a, an advanced reader's copy that you're interested in read the thing and let the publisher's rep know what you thought and before you know it you're being solicited for you know, one opinion after the after the other and sometimes what you say can find can be used in the publisher's marketing Mm. Um, so it's we actually have much more of an influence on what the publishers do than people necessarily think. Um, if I can give an example of that. Yeah, please. There, there was a wonderful book, and it really is a wonderful book, called News of the World, which by Paulette Giles, um, that was a finalist for the National Book Award last year um, when, of course, the Underground Railroad won, most deservingly, mm -hmm. most deservingly won. But... Uh, it was a good nomination there for Paulette Giles for the News of the World. But this is one that when those galleys went around to independent to independent bookstores especially, that a great many booksellers across the country said, we're not sure you know what you have here. Hmm. And it really is a wonderful book, the kind of book that just about anybody would like. It would make a wonderful movie. It would also make a wonderful movie in a past age, such as one starring John Wayne. Mm -hmm. But it's a it's a wonderful western mm -hmm. um, that with great characters and and uh, she's a writer that brings the land to life as well. Very gifted. How does a, a book become uh, so top of mind or? Almost overnight, uh, the buzz begins. And I'm going to give you an example, which may not be the best example uh, of the world. And that's uh, J.D. Vance's book that was such a um, publishing phenomenon uh, a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and that's um, um, uh, Elegy, uh, Hillbilly Elegy. Um, his first book, uh, he didn't have uh, a national reputation. Uh, and, and am I incorrect? Since it became such a sensation here in in Kentucky and in the Appalachian other states, uh, it's mentioned uh, prominently by a number of people uh, on a national basis. So how does that happen? Well, I mean that one is really a special case, but in it does show kind of how it happens in general because that was a case where word of mouth kept spreading and spreading and spreading, and. Uh, people here, whether you agreed with J.D. Vance or not, because a lot of people took exception to what he had to say and to his characterization of Eastern Kentucky. In particular, a lot of people uh, strongly disagreed with what he had to say as far about the region. 
but love it or hate it, you had to know. And so um, word passed from reader to reader until um, we had big stacks of them at Joseph Beth flying out the door. I mean, we've sold, I think, more than 2,000 copies of that book, which is really mm -hmm. quite, you know, Mm -hmm. Quite a large number. Yeah, for and, us. and and JD appreciates that too. I'm sure he does. Yeah, <laughs> give, give me another uh, example of um, of a book that 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 had sort of that same buzz, whether it's uh, a regional book or a national. That I think is how it took off for Gone Girl in particular. Yeah. I was just thinking of that by the Gone, way. Yeah, Gone Girl I think is that is an example where the where the match was lit and then held to the right material and it really caught fire. Um, we're starting to see that a little bit now. We'll see whether it uh -huh. really takes off all the way with a new book called The Immortalists by uh, Chloe Benjamin and it has that property of as soon as you finish it you have to tell somebody about it and recruit oh. them into reading it so you can talk about it with yeah. them. And with fiction especially, that's how it is. It's that impulse to have somebody to discuss it with. Uh -huh. Stranger Things on uh, Netflix is kind of the, the same thing happening. It's like, you have to see this so I can talk yeah. about it with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. That's a good example. Um, so tell me what else is on uh, your list uh, that you brought to with us today and, and what your suggestions are that people should be looking for. Well, I mean, we've got... Um, of course, the big trend right now, the big trend has been suspense. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock is alive and well and in your local bookstore. Um, the, uh, uh, and it has been this way for a number, for a couple of years since Gone Girl. And you have all these, uh, and the girl on the train and so forth and so on. Um, and that trend is still going strong. Uh, there is one right now called The Woman in the Window by yeah. A.J. Finn, which is... D steering directly for a rear window. <laughs> it is overtly a, uh, a, a tribute to Hitchcock. Well, well let me just, uh, a small little caveat there, and you know the story. Uh, it was just in uh, uh, last uh, Sunday's uh, New York Times, the story of A.J. Finn, who was an editor um, and uh, wrote this um, a a using a pseudonym, uh, uh, you, you, and and did not even tell his own publishing company that he was employed by that he was writing this novel and there was a bidding process, and it turned out uh, apparently it, uh, it it is it has been um, uh, the article that I read uh, very much akin to uh, to to uh, uh, Rear Window uh, the the wonderful book and then the movie uh, with uh, uh, James Stewart. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, uh, why, why has that book now, other than the Cinderella story of an editor now who's becoming, I think he just signed a, uh, a two-book deal with, what, what's the publishing company, uh, very well-known, whatever, well, you know, for, for a zillion dollars. Uh, why, why is it just because it kind of follows the, the genre that everybody thinks uh, it, that they're reading of? It, that is part of yeah. it. I mean, that is one, that's a genre that rewards um, that hunger for more, mm. you know, there is always, it does the very nature of the suspense genre is it leaves you hungry for the next one. Um, and so a lot of people who are able to, to succeed in that genre are the ones who best satisfy that impulse, that itch there. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I hadn't actually heard that story myself. Mm -hmm. That's excellent though. Yeah. Um, 
that I'm sure that story is part of it, and that factor of you have to read this, you have you know, mm-hmm. just uh, from one reader to the next is really powering it as well. Yeah. So yeah, um, there's one that's a little bit more under the radar that uh, that I've been steering people toward. Uh, that's a cool one uh, called Grist Mill Road. It's a second book by a fellow named Christopher Yates, um, and it is about a cold case that suddenly turns hot. 26 years later um, and you have a uh, three teenagers who uh, there's a terrible crime and a, and a young woman left to die um, who survives survives somehow against the odds um, and she and her would-be killer and the witness to the to the crime who does not intervene are all brought back together 26 mm. years later and mm-hmm. the chain of events set in motion yeah um, and he's really done an excellent job of mm. it. you know and the pleasantly unpleasant surprises is how it was put mm-hmm. you know the, yeah. but he's he's got a lot of promise as a writer in the genre yeah yeah and you're looking at uh, at your list go ahead mm, please sure. Um, there's one that's new in paperback that uh, was more of the literary side of this called ill will by Dan Sean, um, who was an Ohio writer. Um, and it, uh, uh, much more on the, uh, it's, uh, it's intellectual suspense and really diving into the nature of memory and uh, whether you can trust your own memories. Uh, and in some ways also, it, 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 I've called it the, uh, uh, the thriller, the, the heroin epidemic deserved. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it has a lot of, uh, uh, ties to that particular social issue as well. Yeah. A lot to say about addiction and how, and also on um, how people pass down damage from generation to generation. It uh, it's very it's not a happy book at all, but it's very very much worth reading. So, do people tell you that they want to read happy books, or do they want to read truthful books? Uh, do they want to? Uh, uh, they they don't care if it's um, if it challenges their uh, intellectual capacity or their 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 mood at the moment, they want to be they they want to, they just want a good read. They want a a real page turner. Oh, uh, all the time, all yeah. the time. And you have to learn to listen to those readers and and to uh, appreciate what it is you're being told, rather than just handing somebody your favorites. Um, you have, to, I mean, you know, I'm not doing anybody a favor. If I'm, for example, if I was a, a, a big fan of, I am a big fan of Philip Roth, but I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily doing you a favor if I'm put pressing a copy of The Dying Animal into your hands <laughs> when, you know, you just came for the latest page turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what, uh, and, and if you have some other fiction, sure. uh, fine. Uh, and then, then, then I want to ask you about nonfiction too. And, sure, and, sure. and, and maybe about, about some Kentucky writers, but go ahead. Sure. Um, on the kind of the literary side of things, is a fascinating book out that um, I believe Silas House actually was recently talking about. Uh, he's at Winter Institute right now, which is the booksellers, American Booksellers Association. Uh, trade show ah. and um, is I, he speaking? I, book, I, he's I, I know he's I don't know if he's because speaking, his new book he doesn't have a new book out maybe maybe he's, he's there with his other books he has he, had, he does have one forthcoming yes this summer, yeah so, right and it could be that in, uh-huh. promotion with that yeah but um, the um, um, there's a book called Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro 
Um, and she is a, it's her first novel. She had her debut a couple years back with a wonderful collection called I Want to Show You More. Hmm. Um, but short stories are unfortunately um, not as popular as novels these days, even though there's some wonderful, wonderful stuff being done in short stories. Um, this is her first novel, and it is fascinating, fascinating look um, at um, it's the kind of, it's story-wise it's pretty simple because you have a woman who is having an affair um, and it is her examination of how she sees how she sees herself through this okay um, because she at the same time believes herself to be a happy wife and a good mother and a devout Christian and so you see her viewpoint in all these different ways as you have this this cut mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. Um, novel that's presented in narrative and in letters and in emails and mm. in texts yeah um, it's very daring and it um, um, it's interesting to see how one person can see her own actions in all these different ways you yeah know? yeah so. and I hesitate to ask uh, if you'll give us a hint uh, about the conclusion. Uh, uh, will you do that, or is that going to be the spoiler that we don't want to hear? I, I was going to say, I don't think I can do that. Okay. <laughs> you have yeah. to buy the book. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, what else? Yeah. Um, the one that's really taking off in paperback um, as a result of... of um, of being a finalist for the National Book Award last year is a book called Pachinko. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, uh, it's a, a wonderful story of uh, four generations of Koreans mm-hmm. living in Japan. And so it's a, a great immigrant story. Mm-hmm. But we're, of course, in the United States, we're used to the immigrant story being somewhere else to the United States. And instead, we have from Korea to Japan, starting in 1900. So, of course, with four generations, you know where that's going to take you. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you up through the war and, and through all that, and through uh, the war in Korea as well, and all the way up to the present day. Um, and uh, it is a fascinating look at people who are still never fully accepted in the society that they're living in. Um, and very elegantly done, very, uh, mm-hmm. a very eloquent book, well, well worth looking at. Um, also recently we had the uh, posthumous uh, release of Dennis Johnson's fine, uh, last short story collection that I understand is intended to be the final word mm-hmm. on his career. Dennis Johnson was, in my estimation, one of the great writers of the 20th century mm-hmm. and early 21st. Um, wonderful fellow very generous man um, and um, very thoughtful and you know just big-hearted sort of fellow um, even though he could be sometimes a somewhat severe writer mm-hmm. um, and the collection is called the largesse of the sea maiden mm-hmm. wonderful time mm-hmm. um, and it's intended to be the capstone of, uh, of his career one of the best things I ever heard said about any person at all was uh, a writer said that God I want to believe in has a voice like Dennis Johnson's. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all you have to say. I can't improve on that. Yeah, yeah. What about nonfiction? Nonfiction, an interesting trend these days, is science writing has really started to dominate our hmm. uh, uh, our tables. Uh, so you see all this wonderful, accessible science writing. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff about physics. One of our best-selling books of the last couple of years has been a book called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Of course, Neil deGrasse Tyson has a large platform himself, you know, being on TV with the new Cosmos and all that. You know, he's a well-known public figure. But it's interesting that there's this public hunger now to, pardon me, for accessible, interesting, engaging science writing. And not only that there's a hunger for it, but there's all these wonderful writers who are eager to supply it. Yeah. Okay. What else? Um, there is... Uh, uh, you know, I was going to also ask you before, I, I want you, as you look at that, I, I want to also ask you about uh, uh, Fire and Fury, uh, Michael Wolf's book and how well that has sold here. I just heard uh, a report um, that it, it, it's for many, many reasons, uh, some of those very obvious, uh, it's, it's really become sort of that, that phenomenon uh, too. And uh, how's it done at Joseph Beth? Oh, it's done fabulously. You know, I think we're um, already over 300 copies. We were the only place to get it oh. for the longest time. Yeah. Um, that we um, got lucky and we were also well served by, our, by Macmillan, the publisher. Wonderful. Um, and so we had it when Amazon didn't and when <laughs> Barnes & Noble didn't. Um, and so we have big Wonderful. stacks of it all over the front of the store. It's still on back order at Amazon. Uh, yeah. This uh, report that, that I heard uh, uh, two or three weeks uh, b- before you, I mean, you can put it, and that's kind of unheard of for Amazon. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. They're um, estimating the sales uh, nationwide of the book at 1.7 million copies already, which is unthinkable. Yeah. Unthinkable. Um, but it is, uh, I've read it myself, it's it, entertaining, it's gossipy, he's clearly uh, a Hollywood reporter, writer, um, and uh, it's, it's, um, and he, it's interesting that he put that at the start, he puts, he says, these are not my impressions, these are the impressions of these 200 people or so that I spoke to in the time that I was there at the White House. You're one of the few people that I've spoken to who has read it, um, other than hearing a lot of people nationally uh, on talk shows and radio talk about it. Do you believe him? I believe those are the impressions that he was given. I, 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 I believe that uh, enough people, because he said at the start, he said a lot of these narratives are going to contradict because I'm showing you what people are telling me they've, they've seen. Um, and... Um, on the whole, yeah, I kind of do. Will there be a, uh, and there are probably others, will, will there be a, now a, uh, a chain of these uh, type of, uh, uh, of Trump uh, tell-all type of books and, uh, that, that will be coming out? Is that what the advances tell you? I have a feeling that, that most of that stuff is going to be years down the line. <laughs> I have a feeling that this is probably going to be a un- more of a unique phenomenon mm. um, because I don't think anybody else is going to have had the access that Wolf had and I think that once now that they've seen what mm. 
ter- terrible <laughs> mistake it was to let Michael Wolf, of all people, in yeah. to behind the scenes. Somebody at the yeah. Guardian put it this way. They said that even if I was just running a mildly successful hot dog stand, the last person I would let in for a behind the scenes look was Michael Wolf. Yeah. Um, and. Um, He's a, uh, he is yeah. first and foremost a gossip writer. Yeah, and, you know he's uh, and he writes like one. It's breezy. It's entertaining. Yeah. a lot of the things in there are probably of dubious provenance. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's um, but a lot of the people who are saying no, I didn't say anything like that, have a yeah. vested interest in saying, of course, that they didn't. So. And, and uh, let, let's uh, let's say that he's a, g- a gossip writer, a rich gossip writer, a very <laughs> rich gossip writer. <laughs> yeah. To fair play to you, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so tell me what else is on your list. Oh, there is uh, there was actually there was something that was interesting that I wanted to, that I wanted to bring up that was. Uh, Uh, one of those funny coincidences that happens in publishing right now Um, there's uh, every so often something like this happens there is there are two writers who are publishing quartets of books that all are themed around the seasons and they each have the title is just the season so the first one of each one of these was autumn and the second one of each one of these was winter one of them is fiction by Ali Smith who's a British writer Um, and winter is currently out right now and it is um, a wonderfully playful, very intellectual, very British, um, and uh, really draws a lot on Shakespeare and Dickens, and uh, as this uh, uh, enchanted and funny and generous and uh, really forgiving sort of story of, of this winter story. Um, and then there is uh, a collection of essays uh, by a Norwegian writer who had a, a bit of a literary splash a couple of years ago with a passive six volume 3600 page autobiographical Goodness. novel called my struggle mm. uh, which is still being translated into english mm. and the sixth volume is coming out this year but he had set out to write day by day essays of about the natural world about the world not necessarily mm. the natural world but about the world to his uh, beginning when his daughter was yet to be born and he's addressing them all to her. He's writing to his unborn daughter um, and in the middle of winter she's born and so then he's writing to his infant daughter. Uh, And it's just one essay a day about whatever it is that pops to mind. And he uses those concepts, those the thing that he starts writing about is a springboard to write about something else. You've read this? I have read this, and I love it. it. Really? It's, it's wonderful. It's one of It those, carries from day to day. It, car- it doesn't necessarily carry from day to day. Yeah. The thing about him is he is... Uh, he's one of the... F- I think he feels so free to just do whatever, the, to do whatever comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He's such a liberated sort of writer that he mm-hmm. is willing to just fly wherever the wind takes mm-hmm. him. Yeah, um, and it's it's fascinating. He has that gift of uh, make of um, making you think in a new way about something you think you already know about. Mm. So, do you have anybody on your list uh, from Kentucky? I don't actually. That's all right. That's, That's okay. fine. Just just um, a question. Yeah, just, no, no. Yeah. Um, I have. Um, 
Uh, I do know, of course, that I'm looking forward to Silas House's new book. Mm-hmm. I think it's this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. I think it is. I'm pretty summer. sure about that. Yeah. Um, David Arnold, yep. uh, who is a wonderful, wonderful fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, of course, he had his most recent book, Kids of Appetite, mm-hmm. which was made at the New York Times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he has one forthcoming as well, I believe. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, last fall, uh, we had the wonderful... Um, Holly Goddard Jones. Yeah. I don't know if you've. If oh yeah, her. Uh, she was uh, on the podcast, oh, and uh, we. Uh, she was at the book fair, and uh, we uh, we. Uh, I, I read Tick. Uh, I mean, I read um, um, the Salt Line. The Salt Line about the ticks. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for the tick. Just that's a, that's a Netflix series, I think. Uh, 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 Salt Line. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of creeped everybody else uh, out, and and she's sort of doing a um, uh, a sequel to that in, in in a way. So that that I don't think that'll be out this year, but right, right, yeah. Um, and also from last summer, I uh, want to mention Lexington author Christopher Rowe. Uh-huh. Also, yeah, it is debut story collection, Telling the Map, uh-huh. which is a a. a, a Upper South Dreamscape, uh-huh. you know, just a wonderful collection of, story, of short stories yeah. um, that uh, really, really worth exploring. When uh, are, are you able to, or does somebody else at Joseph Beth uh, uh, go to some of the uh, the book expos and the, some of the national or regional um, shows where I? I, 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 I would love to go to one sometime, but do the publishers, they're sort of pitching to you and, and uh, to, to independents and that sort of thing. Is that, is, that, is that the way it works? That is something we always try to do. We yeah. always try to send people at least to Winter Institute. I went last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, three different people down there right now in Memphis, um, including one from our store yeah, um, and a couple from Cincinnati as well. Uh-huh. So let me, um, this is really putting you on the spot, but why not? Um, as you know, uh, and as hopefully uh, a lot of our listeners know, and, and if not, they will, that we are now responsible for uh, the Kentucky Book Fair, which we are uh, going to be doing the Kentucky Book Festival because we're expanding it somewhat uh, uh, the week, uh, the day, November 17th, but we're going to be doing more events during the week. If... Um, if you could choose today one author, and you can name more than one if you'd like, uh, that you would like to see at uh, the Kentucky uh, Book Festival uh, that, that, that you think your readers, again, listening to them, would like to, to listen to, um, not necessarily just do a reading, or maybe not do a reading at all, but just talk about the process of writing or or the research that went into whatever they wrote to the who, who who would who would you want to see there more than anybody else that you've read or that you know of? Ron Rash, without oh. any hesitation, Ron Rash. Ron Rash, uh, I've read just about everything that he's uh, that he's uh, that he's written. Um, I don't actually know whether Ron has a forthcoming novel, but he is a wonderful storyteller. Um, he uh, is a has this generous and engaging spirit and he is I've never met anybody a writer who is as generous with his time as Ron Rash is when it comes to just uh, being approachable and being willing to explain where he's coming from Um, he is uh, of course a longtime uh, professor of Appalachian Studies at Western Carolina University Um, I have had a great deal of success 
uh, bringing his books to my audience because it, this his stories really resonate with readers in this region, you know, and uh, because they all have that Appalachian theme, even though they're set in the Carolinas rather than here, it's they're very relatable to Kentucky readers. So he's a, a Southern lit uh, or a, a Southern writer. Uh, are all of his books about, about the South? Just about, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's some of them set in the present, some of them mm-hmm. actually more set in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a great deal of success in about 2012 with a novel Serena yeah. that was adapted to film. Uh, and he's had a couple since that have been adapted to film. Uh, the World Made Straight uh, being probably the most notable of those. They're all excellent. And he uh, really has that classic sense of storytelling. Yeah. He loves Shakespeare and Dostoevsky and stuff like that. Do you know if he's ever been to the Kentucky Book Fair? I don't. I don't. I know well, let's he... let's make it a goal. To... Yeah. Who's his publisher? Um, I believe Harper. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's... I wanted you to say somebody regional and inexpensive. <laughs> but you never know. I mean, they, they want to get those writers out. Uh, um, and so I appreciate the, 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 the tip on that and the hint. I'm sure that uh, Brooke Raby, who used to work at uh, Joseph Beth, our project manager for the Kentucky Book Festival, uh, uh, we'll put that on her uh, her list of things to do is to bring in Ron Rash for for you. How about that? Uh, last, uh, just just kind of summing up, if is there anything that I've forgotten uh, or that you have not mentioned? Uh, one more that you want to just put out there, and you know what we'll try to do, uh, Mark, is to uh, make a list of these books. Uh, that you've recommended uh, by author and and publish those on our website and and have those along with uh, the podcast. So is there is there one more as we go out? There was one actually that I forgot to mention that actually I did have a Kentucky writer on my list originally from Kentucky, a fellow named J.D. Daniels, um, and is as a, a, a nonfiction collection called The Correspondence, um, and they are six. They're sort of essays, they're sort of memoir. He is kind of a wild talent out there. Um, and six essays in kind of in search of himself and his own life. And uh, it is one of those books that just defies categorization, you know, and uh, just flagrantly so and wonderfully so. Now, I said there was only one, uh, mm-hmm. but, but I'm going to ask you for, for one other little suggestion, and that is... A young Kentucky writer, um, maybe like a Holly Goddard Jones, who's, who's no longer in Kentucky but uh, went to the University of Kentucky or maybe uh, grew up in, in Russellville, or Chris Rowe, who still lives in, in Lexington, Kentucky, or, um, um, you know, it slipped my mind, the young man who now is in Portland, he came back to the Kentucky Book Fair, wrote uh, uh, the stories about uh, the, each county. Oh, yes, on homesickness. Yes, yes. Oh, um, he's going to, uh, you know, he was on the podcast too. I'm sorry to say, we'll just have to ask everybody to go back. But that was, that was one of the most clever bits of, uh, self-marketing that I know of because he came back and, um, just trying to think of his name. Uh, he came back and went to every County and either made an appearance, did a reading, went to a historical marker and he did all that on his own. He didn't have a, a big publishing company. Uh, behind him, That's, we'll think. We'll, we'll you and I will both shoot ourselves as soon as we get off there. Is there anybody like that on the horizon that 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 has either done uh, published once or maybe is going to publish 
that, that you would say, this is somebody you've got to watch for? Would it be Hannah Petard at the University of Kentucky? Uh, would it be, you know, just... It, I would love to see Hannah Petard break through. Yeah. I have actually had the pleasure of reading her a couple of books. Yeah. Um, and when I read... Um, the fates will find their way. Mm-hmm. That's one of her uh, one of her first books. Mm-hmm. I said, "This is somebody who really deserves to break out." Yeah, this is somebody who really deserves to be widely read. She had, she has quite a gift and quite a voice. And if somebody were to break out, yeah. she's certainly worthy of it. Hannah Batard is the uh, head of the MFA program at the University of Kentucky, and um, she's I think has two novels and and now a third that that is i believe at the it's either being edited now and getting ready to go i mean it'll be ready for the fall I oh believe. that's great news reunion was her other book Reun- yeah reunion and the fates will find their way the fates will find their way uh when i read that i didn't care where i was I oh was that's wonderful totally spellbound yeah well mark uh from joseph beth uh, thanks so much i appreciate it would love to have you back uh, periodically to uh bring us new books and uh and and new authors and uh uh, I like the fact that you spelled out at the beginning uh, that you you like to you like to hear from readers, and I'm sure they can contact you at Joseph Beth and and uh, and talk to you uh, about uh, uh, reading. They can see you out there as you're yeah. as you're putting together in Lexington at the store there, uh, putting together the the front end of uh, sellers and bestsellers and and award winners and staff picks and all of that. So thanks very much for being here on Think Humanities. It's been a pleasure. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.